morning, everyone. Glad you guys can make it here this morning. Um, I want everyone to be safe. We wanted to have a place where everyone could come and, and hear the Word of God during this season of Advent. And so we're doing our Advent series. For those of you who are just visiting this week from your home churches, I'm glad that you're here. Um, we are in week two of a four-week series of Advent. So um, it, it will completely make sense. It's standalone. You guys can follow along. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 53. That's where we'll be. If you don't have your Bibles, that's totally fine. Um, we have the words on the screen. So you know that we're not making stuff up. They'll be up there. But um, before we get to Isaiah 53, uh, several years ago, I heard this story about a, a man who was um, proposing to his wife, and, and, and he was telling this story about how he proposed. And, and what this, his story goes that he got, picked her up, got in their car, and they drove to this lake. And at this lake, there was this jet ski. So they hopped on the jet ski, and they're driving around the lake and, and having fun. And then they got to this little island in the lake, and they parked the jet ski, got onto the island. They had a picnic. And so they had this little picnic. They had some good food, and they had a little drink. And um, I don't know what kind of drink it was. Calm down. It was just some sort of drink they had. It's not my story. Um, and then so they, they had that drink. They got back on the jet ski. They went back to where the car was, and his car was gone. And then waiting there was a limousine. And so now her, her I mean, bells are going off. She's like, this is different. This isn't an everyday date. The jet ski was already a little like, this is not what we do every day. Um, limousine, she's getting excited now. So they get in the limousine, and they're driving around, and they drive to this little airfield. And they get out of the airfield, and they get on a plane. And this plane flying around and lands in this little, this little grass airstrip. It was like a little um, puddle jumper plane. And they get out of the plane, and they, there's this old jalopy falling apart truck there. And they get in this truck, and he drives to this little college town um, where there's a chapel, and, and they get into the chapel, and like everything's ready for a wedding. There's all the uh, candelabras lit, and uh, uh, I didn't know what those were when he told the story, but uh, those are like lots of candles in one thing. Anyway, um, so all these candelabras are lit. There's like rose petals down the aisle and there's this big card with her name on it. And he says like, go ahead, open the card. And she opens the card and it says, will you dot, dot, dot. She turns around, bam, he's on his knees with the ring out. She says yes before he says anything uh, and they get married. And, and in that moment, in that story alone, he ruined like every other woman's life and, and, and just entered and sowed disappointment in their life because that is not a normal engagement story, right? That's not what, like, so if you're a man here today and you're married, you can just look to your wife right now and just say, sorry. That's totally fine. Like, I'll give time for that. Just, sorry, babe. I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know we could do that much. Um, yeah, probably not. Um, you can say, we didn't have Google back then. I didn't know you could just, Pinterest wasn't a thing, and that's fine. But this guy had this story, and, and, and he's sharing the story, and, and she says yes, and they, they go out to, uh, to, the, to dinner, and, she, and at dinner, he's explaining what each, each ride meant. And so he explains, hey, you know, uh, when we drove our norm, my, my everyday car, my normal car, that represents our everyday life, our normal life. And this is what you can expect to me on a normal day-to-day -day basis. And when we got on the jet ski, that represents the fun we'll have in life. And we'll, there'll be times, not all the time, but there'll be times where we have fun and we have high energy and we're jet skiing around and we're having a good time. And, and, and when we got in the limousine, that, that's going to represent times where other people are having to drive us. Where other people, like, there's going to be times of, of sadness and sorrow in our life, no matter how much we want to prevent it. There's going to be times where other people are going to have to carry us, other people are going to have to drive us. And we got on the plane, that represented this time where of, of spiritual ascent and our growth and, and closeness to God and, 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 and we'll 
will get closer to God. And this is what you can expect of me as a husband. When we got into that old beat up jalopy, like that represents us growing old together. No matter what happens, like we'll be together. Um, and so he, he shared that story. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful thing. But the, the point of this story is that's an unbelievable promise to make. Like that's a, just some, like that engagement story enters in or it creates high expectations, right? So that's, there's, when you make a promise that extravagant, there's, there's just waiting for so much disappointment to happen because it's hard to live up to those kind of promises. Like, like flying a plane around is not an easy thing to accomplish. And, and it was easy for him because, because when he got to it, he started telling the guy like, hey, how much is a plane going to cost? And he told why he was doing it. The guy was just like, man, if you pay for the gas, like we'll take you up. Don't even worry about it. Like this is an off. We want to be a part of this. So, so it helped him out. But there was this extravagant promise. And, and when you have an extravagant promise like that, it's easy to have disappointment when just a little tiny bit of it doesn't live up. To, to what you promised. And, and, and the reality is when we come to the season of Advent, we come to the promises God made in the Bible, they are impossible promises. These are, these are promises that are just impossible. Like this idea that God himself is gonna come as a man and die in our place and save us from our sins. Like that's an impossible promise. But the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel is that he did it. He, he is able to fulfill all these promises. There's, there's no reason for disappointment. So as children of God, we can go and, and, and be confident in the promises of God, knowing that he can keep these promises no matter what happens. He's sovereign, he's in control, and can keep these promises. So we are going to look at some of these promises. Before we do that, the second thing about these promises is is that he has, he made these promises before he got married, right? So, so those who are married here today think that's there's a cute promise, but man, that guy has no idea what everyday life as a married person is going to be like. But he's making these promises that, hey, this is what everyday life's going to be like. And he has no idea how much, how, how much darkness and sorrow will be in your marriage when he's talking about limousine. He has no idea. He's talking about spiritual ascent and, 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 and growth and closeness to God, but, but he has no idea how much uh, thrust and lift and turbulence it takes to get there. He doesn't know. He's making these promises before he knows any of this. But when God made his epic promises, he was aware of every joy and every sorrow that we'll ever experience. He was complete, where this man was not aware of all that would happen in marriage, God was completely aware of every sorrow and every joy that we'd experience. So as men and women of God, we can be free from bitterness and resentment because not only has God made grand promises and he's able to fulfill them, but he knows what's going to happen. And he did it anyway. He made those promises knowing that you were going to mess up, knowing you were going to have a rough week this week, knowing you're going to have a rough year, rough life. Like he knew those things and made these promises anyway. So he's able to fulfill them and willing to fill them. So we're going to read with all that said in Isaiah 53. Um, we're going to pick it up uh, in verse one, and we're really just going to kind of read Isaiah 53, uh, the whole thing. Who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're going to stop there just for a second. I want to explain a couple things here. Uh, so, so this idea of, of transgressions where it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. That word transgressions is our sin, that we, we sin and he was pierced for our sins. Our transgressions, this external thing, external transgressions are the, the things we do. But this word iniquity actually means something else. It doesn't, it's not synonymous with transgression. It means something else. This word iniquity is more of this inside thing. It's this bent towards something. That all of us from birth are bent towards sin. We're bent towards even particular sins. And so, I mean, growing up, when, when I was in school, we read this book called The Lord of the Flies. Anyone ever read that? It's kind of a crazy book. Um, there was a lot of Christian parents who wouldn't let their kids read the book. And they sit out in the hallway. And it was really, I wasn't a Christian back then. It was really awkward. Um, like when like half the class got to get up and leave and I, I had to sit there and do work. I was like, I want to be a Christian if I don't have to do this. Um, if that's what this means. But we read this book and so it started this, this, this really long conversation in English class about where does evil come from? Is it, is, it, uh, innate, is it nurture or is it nature? Is it nature or nurture? And so um, as Christians, the Bible's pretty clear where evil comes from. It comes from our nature, that, that we are bent, we have iniquities, we are, we are bent towards sin from birth, that we can't choose not to sin from birth. We are, we are, we are sinful. We, 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 we don't, we're not sinful because we sin. We sin because we're sinful. Like we, it's what we do because of our nature. Now, I will say, I, th- I think it's a both and thing when it comes to the Bible about nature versus nurture, that, that we're bent towards certain things. So I, ne- I have two kids. I'm about to have a third. Like I never had to teach Elium to lie. Never had to teach Salome to lie. Um, Salome lies a lot more than Elium does. So she's just bent towards that. Like she is bent towards self-preservation at all costs. Um, I will watch her hit Elium be like, Salome, did you just hit Elium? No, I just saw you hit Elium. No, I didn't. But I literally, like, what is going on right now? Like, why are you saying that? And so, like, she's just bent towards that. Now, I think her, her nature is going to, to shape that. It's going to shape how she lies and when she lies and why she lies. But she's bent towards that from birth. Elium's not so much of a liar. He's bent towards just disobeying. Like, he, he, he's not going to lie about what he did, but he doesn't mean he's going to listen either. Um, he's still going to do what I asked him not to do. He's bent towards it. And his, and his nature, his upbringing, his friends will shape that. But he was born with that. And so this word iniquity is this bent towards something. So not only was Christ uh, pierced for our external sin, but he was crushed for our internal bent towards sin. And so keep reading. Um, well, I'm going to read. I'm going to start in verse 6 again. Um, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the bent towards sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who was considered, or who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. 
and they made his grave with, from the, with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was put, he, put, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall that righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So long passage of scriptures. Um, but one thing I love about the word of God is it does a perfect job dissecting the human condition. So it's clear that we are bent towards sin. Uh, even Proverbs would say there's, there's a, I say this all the time here, but there is a way that seems right to man, but in the in the end, it leads to death. And so like, that's just, again, that goes back to our, our nature. There's a way that seems right to us as men but it leads to death. See, iniquity coming out of the womb is a bent that leads to transgressions. So there's this internal versus external thing happening here. Transgressions and iniquity. Now, we talk about this a lot um, because I think oftentimes in the church, we focus a lot on transgressions. Um, we focus historically as a church, specifically in the South, we focus a lot on transgressions. We focus a lot on, and here's the things you don't do. Here's the things that you do do as Christians. But the reality is the Bible talks a lot more about the iniquity, the bent towards the, the heart issue. And there's good reason for that. Because if we talk about, I don't know how dialed in everyone is to the medical field, but, but when it comes to things like the common cold, when you go to the store and you get medicine for the common cold, you're not treating the common cold. You're just treating the symptoms. Like you still have a cold. You're just coughing less because you're coating your throat with things that make you cough less. Cough less. And so it's, you're, you're just treating the external thing. You still have the cold. And if you talk to anyone who has something beyond the common cold, something uh, like people who are in pain management programs, like they're not, if, if you're not actually going in and trying to fix what's causing you pain, but all you're doing is managing pain, that's a life that leads to a lot of depression and a lot of addiction because all you're doing is managing pain. You're not trying to solve the pain. You're trying to fix the pain. And the good news in Isaiah 53 is not just that Christ died for our sins, our transgressions, but he also died for our iniquities. He, he, he is taking away not only our sins, but he's taking away our bent towards sin. He's taking away our iniquity, our bent towards sin. And that's, and that's phenomenal news because it's one thing, it's, it's one grand promise to say, I'm going to give you forgiveness, but it's an incredibly different and just as grand promise to say, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take away your iniquity and give you a heart that, that loves and a heart that worships. And, 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 and I don't know who you are and what you struggle with, and, and, but, but this idea that, that, that we're bent towards something, we can all, you fill in the blank. What are you, what are you bent towards? Like, what is your go-to when it comes to sin? When, when life presses you, when life gets tough, like what do you go to? What do you run to? And I think for often for a lot of us, it, it most often it's not going to be God. Um, and whatever that bent is, whether it's anger, whether it's lust, or, or maybe you're prone to just laziness, like those things, those sins are just external. And they're, they're, they're evil, they're wrong, but they're external. There's this bent towards those things that has to be dealt with. So the Bible's going to say almost immediately in Isaiah 53, 
our transgressions and our iniquities are taken from us. They're laid on Christ. God doesn't just say, I forgive you, but I'm not, I'm not only going to forgive you, but I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart that won't fa- fail or fall right back into sin. It doesn't just offer forgiveness, but it makes straight our bent. See, if, if, if all God does in Advent, and all, if, if all God does in the coming of Christ is offer forgiveness, and we're, we're still prone and still bent towards evil, like it's going to be a long, long life, right? Like it's going to be a long life of destruction and evil. Because all sin does, as, as evil as sin is, all it really does is just destroy our lives. And that's, that's not good, but, but it, it destroys our lives. And we continue to choose it regardless of that. Like, no one here can say that anyone has done more damage to your life than you. Like, you are your worst enemy. No one talks to you more than you do. Um, No one speaks into your life more than you do. Like, you are the worst enemy of your own joy. And that's just just the way it is. And, And so God here is saying, like, I'm not going to just leave you on this earth with a bent and crooked heart. I'm gonna give you a new one. That's good news. So how is he going to do that? How does, how does he do this? Like, what does this even mean? What does this new heart that's going to change our life even mean? Um, well, I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes and we're going to go through it today. Um, but it's something that we talk about oftentimes here at the Grove. And if uh, we've been doing this for about uh, almost two years now, in February to be two years. So it was like a year, nine months. Um, and for those who have been here for a year, nine months, you probably know like Zach just has one sermon um, he comes from a different text every Sunday, but it's the same sermon. It's just the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach the same thing day in and day out. We might talk about how it applies to men specifically during our, our series on manhood and womanhood. We might talk about how it applies to womanhood, but it, it's just one sermon. So today is going to be a repeat of every other sermon we've ever heard here. But the good news is that that sermon, that, that gospel is what saves us and it's what sustains us and carries us home all the days of our life. And it's, it's, it's useful not just for salvation, but it's useful for our entire life. And so um, whether God gives us another year, another 10, I, I'm praying that, that I'm here for my 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and just, just God's woven my heart into the community of Spruce Pine that I want to be here for a long time, as long as he'll have me. Um, and so it'll be every Sunday the same thing. But when it comes to this thing, this, this iniquity and transgressions being taken from us, um, it doesn't just end there. God's righteousness replaces the sin and iniquity. God takes our sin and our iniquity, puts it on Jesus, and gives us his righteousness. And the good news about God's righteousness is it's not like our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags, but God's righteousness is, is pure. It's holy. It's 100%. On our best day, we fall terribly short of the glory of God, but God could never. So the first place we're going to go is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It'll be up here on the screen, um, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, he made him, to, made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you memorize Bible verses like this is, you should memorize this Bible verse. This should be on the top of your list because this idea, it's going to help with that bent in your heart, that this idea that, that for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Like this, this idea, this is the great exchange that we talk about. This is this God 
the man, God, the, the man Jesus Christ, the God-man Jesus Christ, taking our sin on his life, on, on, his, on himself, on the cross, and giving us his righteousness. So this idea, when God looks down at Zach, at Margie, anyone who is a child of God and looks down, he sees through his son's perfect righteousness and sees you as righteous. Like this is incredible news. He sees his own perfection. So not only are my crooked places made straight, not only are my transgressions forgiven, but on top of that, when he sees me, he sees his perfection of, of himself in Christ. Here's another one, Philippians 3, 8 through 9. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And what he's talking about here, um, when it comes to uh, the, and it should be up on the screen, but when it comes to this Philippians, um, thank you. We, uh, our normal guy is out of town today, so um, Wayne is graciously filling in last minute. Philippians 3, 8 through 9, it says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And if you go back, it, 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 what, he, what he counts as lost in the early in the chapter is all his religious accolades. So this idea that, that Paul grew up in church and he had all the attendance pins. He looked like General Patton coming to church. He had, I mean, he just like, he brought his Bible. They checked those things. He, they brought, he brought it every, every Sunday. Like he was the guy. And he counted all, his that, all that as rubbish. Um, and rubbish uh, is just the Greek word um, for, uh, is the Greek word for dung. And dung is the English word for um, something else that I can't say at church, but like, this is a really uh, intense word, this rubbish. It's, it's a really intense, it's, it's, it's um, another word for, uh, the kids are in children's church, another word for crap. Um, and, and, and so I got in trouble for saying that one time on Sunday, but, um, but it's even worse than that. So we'll keep going. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Man, like this is good. This is good news that, that we don't have a righteousness that comes from our own, but, but as children of God, God gives us righteousness through faith. He gives us the righteousness of Christ. So when he looks at us, he, he, he sees us as perfect, as righteous. And this is, why it's, this is why it's such good news because I think oftentimes we have this idea that, yeah, I know God loves me because it's like John three sixteen. He loved the whole world. Like it's kind of, he is love. He has to love me. But the reality is God likes you because he's given you his righteousness. And when he sees you, he doesn't see all these things that you see about yourself. He sees Christ's righteousness. And he, he not just loves you, he likes you. And those are two different things. Lo love is necessary. Like I, I really like the idea that Margie loves me because it means that um, we have a certain kind of relationship, this covenantal relationship where she loves me and, and she's promised to care for me no matter what happens. And I will care for her no matter what happens. And it gets more and more difficult as we get closer to her due date. But... Um, let me, that, that, let me be fair. I just, all that happened was I came home the other day um, and she was crying. Can I share this? I think I, we didn't, she was crying and I was like, baby, like, why are you crying? She's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, like, why, why are you crying though? And, and then, and then to, to put, put matters worse, um, Salome just woke up and Salome started crying for no reason. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? I look over and, and praise the Lord. Elim is on the ground, just punching the ground. And I don't know why, but I just felt like, man, I understand this. Like I get, like, I feel like that too right now, buddy. Like I want to just punch the ground, but I just was like, Marge, you're going to talk to your mom. Like, I don't know 
what is going on right now. But, but we have this covenant relationship, but this idea that Margie likes me, like there's a difference. That's not, it's not a lesser of love. It's completely different, right? So love is this covenant, like I'm going to love you and pursue you and take care of you. But this idea that she likes me is completely different. The Bible will say that God yearns for the spirit he put within you. Like he likes you. Yearn is something completely different than love. It's not a different level of love. It's a different thing. So we'll keep going. If you want to see what God's hostility towards you and me, despite the fact that we still stumble about in our transgressions, uh, you want to see that just vanish and watch Christ pray for you. You can turn to Romans 8, 34. And 8, 34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, who indeed is interceding for us. So if we could be honest, like when it, when, it, when it comes to your intimacy with God and your pursuit um, of Christ, your joy in him, who, who's had like just like a tough week? Anyone just kind of like, man, like it's been like snowy and, and anyone have a, just a tough week when it comes to things like that? I know church isn't a place where we can be honest, but I see like one hand. Okay, so just two people have had a tough week. And I think if we look back over the last several weeks, there's three people. Um, we, people have just, you have a tough week that we, we, we might have a pretty strong bend that week, a pretty strong iniquity. We, we kind of stumbled around and kind of just screwed up a bit when it comes to our sanctification. Like, like we have those tough weeks. And, and here's the really cool thing is that Christ Jesus himself is literally at the right hand of God interceding for us on those days, during those times. Like it's not just this ethereal idea, but this interceding for us, this, 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 this word intercede means to plead on your behalf. Like he's pleading, God, Holy Spirit, go, go help Zachariah. Like he's, he's struggling. Holy Spirit, would you just go help him? Be, be with him. God, would you just, just forgive that? Like I died for that. Don't worry about that. Like I died for that. Like don't, you don't have to see that anymore. Like he's pleading on our behalf. And I think there's just a, a couple more of these. Hebrews 7.25 says, uh, consequently, he is able to save the uttermost, praise the Lord, those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Christ's resurrected body doesn't sleep. Jesus doesn't take naps. He lives and breathes at the right hand of God, the Almighty, pleading on our behalf. And this is, this is actual. This is really at the right hand of God. He, is, he lives to make intercession for who? For you. You personally. Not, not, not the world as a whole, but you by name, Jesus is interceding for you. Christ did know what was to come. He made these promises to forgive and to love and intercede on your behalf before you sinned once. And he knew what was going to come and he did it anyway. And so he's at the right hand of God, the Father, Father saying, God, let's just send the Holy Spirit's power. Let's sustain, let's carry this person through. And that's why the, the author of Jude can say things like, to him who is able to keep you from falling. Like he's able to sustain, he's able to keep you. And then we'll go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Um, it says, my little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a, a what? An advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. This word advocate, so if interceding is this pleading on my behalf, this word advocate is almost more like arguing on our behalf. 
Um, I, I think there's some, some, some lawyers in the room. Advocate is like you're arguing for someone, you're, you're, you're representing, you're, you're, you're pleading their case, you're arguing, arguing for them on, on our behalf. So when God looks upon us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's because Jesus is there advocating on our behalf, telling God, working between us and God who looks through Jesus's righteousness and sees us as holy, spotless, and blameless. And that's why God likes us and Jesus likes us. He's not just tolerating you, but he likes you. And man, that's good news. I think Hebrews 4.15 is up here as well. I hope so. No, maybe not. If it's not, uh, I might not have put it up there. That's, my, that's on me this time. Um, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Man, this verse has just been an anchor for my life since I got saved and read it for the first time. This idea that Christ knows what you're going through. So, so if you're in here and you've, you've experienced unexpected loss, like Jesus understands that. The, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus had this friend and, and Jesus shows up and Lazarus is dead and the Bible says, Jesus wept. He didn't rebuke the crowd for, for mourning. He enters into the mourning and he mourns with them, knowing full well he's gonna raise Lazarus from the dead, knowing full well that he's going to love and worship with that man again. He weeps because he literally entered into the morning and sobbed himself. So on that day when, when you're sobbing and it feels like no one understands what you're going through, Jesus is there and he says, I know. Like, I, I know. If you've been betrayed by someone close to you, man, Jesus gets that completely. He was betrayed by a kiss from one of his friends who's been with him for, for three years. He, he saw, Judas saw Jesus uh, raise people from the dead. He saw demons flee. He saw, he saw sick healed, the lame walk for three years. And then you, Judas, betrayed him with a kiss, Jesus says. Betrayed me with a kiss. Crazy family dynamics. I think Advent, like, or Christmas just kind of brings out the crazy family dynamics in our life. Amen? Like, is that, that's true. And uh, Jesus completely understands that. Jesus goes home at one point and everyone thinks he's crazy. No one wants to do any, have anything to do with him. Jesus understands our circumstances. He doesn't tell us just to get over it. He enters into it and he understands. No matter what you're going through, he doesn't just let you figure it out. He doesn't rebuke you for being upset about it. He enters in and he goes through it with you. Uh, last year, we, uh, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law uh, found out they were, they were pregnant. Uh, it was actually Christmas, um, I guess Christmas two years ago. So they, the, the story happened last year. But Christmas two years ago, they found out they were pregnant. They told us, so we, we opened up uh, this ornament on Christmas Day and it said, I don't remember what it said. Do you remember what it said? Something like they're having a baby. It was, it was obvious. Um, the, the ornament was obvious, not like I didn't know what was happening. But um, so they opened it. It was really exciting. We were really excited. Uh, um, last, last year, when they went to their gender ultrasound, it was kind of clear something was wrong. Uh, Margie went with them and, and kind of just knew I shouldn't be in this room right now. Like they need to talk to the doctors by themselves. And so um, they talked to the doctors and they came out just sobbing and just crying. Uh, and so the next day or the next couple of days, I went to Mayhek with them and just sat with them, um, sat with uh, India's, my sister-in-law's parents. 
Um, and we just kind of sat there waiting for the ultra, waiting to, to, to get another ultrasound and to hear uh, Mayhek's opinions. Um, and then Mayhek is such a cool thing. In this, in our, in our, I know it's in Asheville, but our community, like, like they are just, they totally know why people are there. They're there because they got a bad ultrasound. They got some, like, some, some seemingly bad news. And so they're, they're incredibly gracious people. And they just, I mean, it's just um, such a cool thing to have here. Just, just people who, who can, can help walk through things like that. Um, and found out that, 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 that their baby, it was a girl, um, wouldn't, didn't have any kidneys and was, it was kind of just not growing like, they, like it should. Um, and that they were, they were most likely going to have uh, a stillborn uh, baby and give birth to a stillborn baby. And so there was just a lot of tears, a lot of crying. The night that we found out, um, I forget who it was. Someone sent a text out to our church. We met at our house. We were meeting in our house at the time and, and there was just men and women. Some people didn't even come to our church. They just heard about it, came to our house and we were just praying and just pleading God, like, we, like you can heal this baby. Um, you will, but even if you don't, we're going to be okay. Like Billy and Indy are going to be okay. Family's going to be okay. And, and so um, that not, you know, that, 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 those couple weeks, um, it wasn't good news. They, 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 at 22 weeks, 21 weeks, 23 weeks, um, India gave birth to, to little, little baby Jude. Um, Jude wasn't alive. Uh, we got to hold her though. They wrapped her in a little blanket and, and she was tiny. We got to hold her. Um, but, but in that room, that night in the hospital, when, when she gave birth, as much sadness as there was, as much grief and sorrow as there was, there was also this spirit of, man, everything's gonna be okay. Like, we, we already know what the news is. There's, there's, we're kind of past that, and it's not a lack of faith. Please don't even email me that. But we're like, like, God, like, you know, like, this is what's gonna happen, and, and we're okay with it. Why? Because you're enough, and we have you. And we full, because of our belief about life, we know that we'll see Jude again one day, that, that Jude will introduce Billy and India to Jesus. And so we're, we're, we're okay with that. But the reason why that belief and that, that spirit was in that room was because there was this belief that God is sovereign and he enters in and he carries our sorrows and our grief. He doesn't make him go away. He carries and makes him a little bit lighter because he's carrying them, but it doesn't make him go away. And he carries our sorrow. He carries our grief. And we, we can testify that though as there is suffering, and it's real, and it hangs out, and it can wreck our soul. It doesn't completely destroy us. It'll never blow up our lives. So much, it will never blow up our lives so much so as the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit cannot sustain it. He carries our burdens. He carries our sorrows. He carries our losses. He carries our grief, and he empathizes with us. What a crazy God we serve. There's no other religion on earth that talks about God like this. That God enters in and he empathizes and he carries our grief and he carries our sorrows and he, he enters into it. He doesn't just command us to get over it. He doesn't flex his power and, uh, when things go bad and just say, just do what I say. No, he enters in and he grieves with you. He weeps with you. He's sad with you. He prays for you and with you on your behalf. He's an advocate. He, he, he pleads. No other religion has a God as mighty as this. So during this season of Christmas, and, and we got a tree up. I mean, we're, 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 we're in it. The Mason house, we've got our tree up. We do the whole elf. Oh, I don't know if I should talk about this. Elf on a shelf thing. Um, uh, we do that whole thing. Like, we're, we're in. We love, we love Christmas, but we love the, the tinsel, the glitter, um, the village, historically, I put up a village and it's always like, I put up a scene and Margie doesn't like it. One time we actually did like M. Night Shyamalan's The Village um, and there was trees and like, anyway, but we do the whole thing. Um, but uh, I thought that was clever. Um, 
we're into it, but, but ultimately that's not what this is about. It's just a shadow of what's, what, what's really going on here. And what's really going on is that God, God himself came in human flesh, not just to forgive us of our sins, but to take away our iniquities and to give us his righteousness. And that is the most incredible news. I think sometimes if we're honest, and I'll close here, if we're honest, we can, we can kind of feel like maybe God has overpromised. Like we, we're, we, we prayed some prayer, we, we come to church, we do these things where our life is still a struggle. Um, we, we feel like God has just overpromised and God has, has, has said he can do things that just don't seem to be happening in our lives. And I think there's a, um, I, I think if we're honest, there, there's this, there, there's a whole swatch of us in, in, in the Bible Belt that tend to believe promises that God, um, that God has given us that God actually never gave us. Uh, we believe these promises like God's going to give me this better life, this happy life, and things are, I'm, I'm going to have a family, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a kids, and all these good things are going to happen. I'm going to look like the typical Christian family. We're going to go to church. My kids are going to grow up, and they're going to love Jesus. Like, like I, I, I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible, so those things are just going to happen. And when those things don't happen, we start to, to kind of get mad at God. When, when our, our spouse betrays us, or our kids don't love Jesus, or we can't have kids, or I, I, I'm not married, I'm not getting married. Like when, when those things start to happen, we, we kind of think God betrayed us. But, but I would just submit to you, like, God never made those promises. God never promised to give us a happy life. He promised us joy. And that joy doesn't come from the things that he gives us or that relationship works out or that our family works out or our job works out. But that, that joy comes from having Jesus himself, having him and knowing that there's a, there's a father, an eternal father who looks down at, at us as sons and looks down at us as daughters and doesn't see all the, all the things we do, all the, all, the, all the things we screw up in our lives. He doesn't see those things. What he sees is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And what he does is he, he likes us and he loves us and he enters in and lives with us and gives us his power and his spirit and sustains us to the end of the days. I think everyone wants this like silver bullet that kills a werewolf kind of like, I just want to like pray this prayer and God's going to give me everything I want and take away all this sin in my life. And, and ultimately, most of the time it doesn't work like that. There, there, there's testimonies of like, I came to Christ that, you know, strung out on heroin and I never wanted heroin again. Like that, that's great. I think those are real, but that is abnormal. That is not the normal testimony. It's a powerful testimony, but it's an abnormal one. I think sometimes, um, and we'll, we'll close here, but sometimes um, we, uh, I think sometimes men don't, I think sometimes stereotypes are true and don't get mad at me. Hold on, hear me out. Sometimes stereotypes are true. I think men on a large scale like don't like going to the doctor. Is that true? Like I feel like that's just true. Um, I don't like going to the doctor. I would rather not go to the doctor. Um, I think there's like conversations that can happen like, uh, like, hey, Zach, you're, you're bleeding out of your neck. You should go to the doctor. I'm like, no, it's just like, it's fine. It's just a little thing. Give me a Band-Aid. I don't even care if it's like a cartoon character on. Just give it to me. We'll put it on. It'll be fine. Um, and he's like, no, bro, like, there's like a gallon and a half of blood just on, like, you need to go to the doctor. Like, no, like, I think I'll be, I'll be fine. I'm telling you, it's nothing. And then, then, you, then, then I think sometimes men go to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, you need, you need some serious help. And they're like, like, oh no, I'll be fine. Like, like, no, like that's a doctor. Like you should listen to a doctor, right? Like a doctor went to a lot of school and paid a lot of money to learn this stuff. And you're like, well, what does that guy know? Well, he's a doctor for one. 
Um, he knows a lot about certain things. But I think, I think oftentimes we, we do that when it comes uh, to Christianity. And we look to God and we say, we know better. This is how my life should be. This is, this is what I should do. And, 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 and we don't listen to the only person in eternity who created all this, who designed all this. And we, we think we know better. We think we know better than God. We're smarter than God. We're smarter than the doctor. We're smarter than the designer. We know how to do this. It'll be fine. I'll just do it myself. And then ultimately we end up getting mad for these promises that don't get kept that were never really promises to begin with. But not, not every day is going to be this mountaintop, loving God, everything's great, Christmas is awesome kind of day. There's going to be days, uh, although we get those days, we get these mountaintop spiritual days, we, but, but there's going to be some days, uh, I think most days where our life is this like steadfast minute by minute, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. It's this minute at a time saying to ourselves, like he who knew no sin became sins uh, so that I might have the righteousness of God in him. Like, like we're, we're praying those things. We're thinking those things minute by minute, second by second. Uh, and, and this is how this is how we get through life. And, and I think oftentimes we think it's something other than that. And we won't listen to the Bible when it says it's more of this minute by minute thing. So whether your testimony this morning is like, I'm, man, I'm stuck in my iniquity. I'm stuck in my sin. Um, or it's, I've submitted to my uh, life to Christ, but I've, uh, I've been disappointed in what he's, he's delivered. Uh, this isn't what I was told at VBS when I was growing up. I was told everything's gonna be great. Um, if, 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 that's, if that's you this morning, uh, man, my prayer is that you would just hear the call of God that he is enough for you, that he will take your iniquity, he'll take your bent towards sin and replace it with his righteousness, and that, that um, the promises he has made well, might not be what you were told at uh, VBS or RA camp or whatever they told you, but the promise of God is that you get him, and he is enough. He's enough for you. You don't need all these other things in your life. He is enough. And, and he graciously gives some of us those and some of us not. But he is enough. Christ has come and he is enough. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and there's no end to his reign. So I'm gonna uh, head, head off here and we're gonna sing a couple songs and I'll come back up and pray. But my, my prayer is that you would just enter into this time just knowing that God's enough, knowing that he's enough for you to sustain you and hold you. Um, and then I'll pray. So you can stand and sing. Um, you can sit or, or whatever you're comfortable with. That's the, uh, the hope of this Christmas season of Advent is that, is that God, and so we talked about today, is that God would uh, gives us peace between us and him. We're not enemies to God anymore, but we have peace between us and him. And he's rescued us, not just from our sin and our transgressions, but also our iniquity, our, our bit towards sin. And, and that's just for those who have, who have answered the call uh, of the gospel. And so uh, my prayer is that if you're here today and you have never answered that call, that, that you want to, uh, to pursue Christ, that, that call is very simple. It's just to repent, to turn towards him to have faith and be baptized. And so this January, um, we're going to have our, our first baptism service. It'll be here. Uh, we're getting a, uh, a horse trough, which uh, is not weird, I promise. Other churches do it. We're not breaking ground here. Um, but, 
and, and we're going to, the river is kind of cold, I think. But so we're going to do a horse trough in here. We got two people signed up to be baptized. So that's you and you, you've never been baptized and you want to, uh, to answer that call. I just pray that you talk to me and we can get that set up and, and talk about that. But uh, I'll pray for us now uh, and then you guys can hang out. So Father, I just, uh, just come before you, Lord, just thankful for this morning, God. And uh, Lord, it's, you're in control and you made it snow, God. And we have here today who is uh, supposed to be here, God. And I'm just thankful for all of these, these people, God. And I, I just pray, Father, that, uh, that when we have tough weeks and we, we have uh, tough days, God, that we would just remember that, that you've given us your righteousness, that, you're, that Jesus is pleading to you on our behalf, that interceding for us, being an advocate for us, God. And we would just, that would just warm our soul, God, that we would just feel loved, feel liked, feel cared for by you, our Father God. So I pray that you would make this, this rescue, this idea of peace and rescue so, so real to us this week, um, that if we're struggling in our iniquity, Lord, we'd know that we don't have to. Um, if we are struggling, believing, or feeling that you've overpromised, you've oversold these things, that, we would, that you would just speak to us and tell us what you've really promised, God, and that, that, that you would be enough for us regardless of our circumstances. I pray for everyone here today, Lord, that you would just be with them, that you'd go before them this week, Lord, and prepare the way for them. You'd keep everyone safe on the way home, uh, that you would bless them and keep them, God, and you would just uh, uh, be real to them this week. I love you, and I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.